For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who Welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And I'm Sam. And today's episode is on parental authority and its biblical limitations. A lot of work went into this episode, and I'd like to give a shout out to Paul Jordan, Carrie Baldwin, and Gregory Baus for giving lots of input and helping us work through this issue. So let's jump right in. Abby, do you want to start us off? I would love to. So to start off, we wanted to just uh, ask the question, what is authority? Um, in the textbook dictionary definition of authority is the right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience, i.e. he had absolute authority over his subordinates. Um, and the secondary definition is a person or organization having political or administrative control, i.e health authorities issued a worldwide alert. So there basically are two aspects to authority that we will be addressing in this episode. One is the structure of authority and the other is the direction. And um, we'll of course explain what we mean by that. So the structure of authority is the law that God has built into creation. And in a sense, uh, they construct any given position of authority. So a good example of this is think about playing a game. Without rules in the game of chess, there is no game of chess. So whether or not you're properly following the structure or the norms of your position of authority is what is termed as the direction. So either right or left, either God-honoring or sinful, the direction of authority is the way in which you either uphold the structure of your position or not. So for instance, um, let's say you're playing chess, uh, but if you aren't following the structure of the game, you're just moving random objects around the board. So another way to think about it would be uh, like a child playing a game where they constantly change the rules in order to win, as is typical among toddlers. <laughs> uh, they are not, in fact, playing the actual game, but instead they're just using whatever force they can to achieve what they perceive to be the most desirable outcome. They may win, quote unquote, in the end, uh, but they haven't actually won any actual game. They're just using force to end in a position that seems to them like they've won. So how this plays out practically in parenting is that if we are stepping outside of the structure of norms, then we are outside of the boundaries of our God-given authority and in sin. And it is possible to be in sin ignorantly, but this is why it is so important to know where the limits of our authority are. There is authority built into the role of parent, and if you abuse or otherwise step outside of the God-ordained structure, you have overstepped and you're basically playing a different game, like Abby mentioned um, 
with the kids making up their own rules. And unlike chess, this just isn't morally neutral. You're either in authority as God has instructed you to be, or you are abusing or neglecting that authority. Therefore, it's of the utmost important that we clearly understand the structure for the role of parent. Um, as we spoke about in our previous episode on how to apply the Proverbs, there is much more in the practical day-to-day that is left up to the parent's discretion in how to do those things um, according to the gifts of and capabilities of each parent. How and what to teach, how to provide, how to protect. The Bible is just not a parenting manual as much as that would make things more simple. Um, as long as the way you choose to fulfill these duties and functions is in according to nurturing love and within the boundaries of scripture, then you have Christian liberty to choose to parent in a way that you find to be the wisest, the most edifying, and the most effective for nurturing your family. Yeah, so let's take a look at some of the roles of authority that we find both in general revelation and in scripture. Um, first, we have the self, uh, yourself, the individual person. Uh, The importance of the Imago Dei in this discussion cannot be overstated. Image bearer is much more than simply that you look like God or that God has given you some attributes that are like him. It is an office of authority over creation that all people, including your children, fill. Um, Our children are entitled to this office and they have all the rights and responsibilities that come with it and thus are due the respect that all other image bearers are due. As parents, we're teaching them how to uphold this office well. We steward and take care of it on their behalf as they grow in maturity and ability. Next would be the role of parents. We can see from the created order and also from scripture that parents do have authority over their children in in many areas. Uh, Since children are in a stage almost exclusively delegated for development, learning, and maturation, God has placed them under the care of people who love them and have already gone through this development. There's also um, civil authority, church authority, and uh, basically any voluntary position of authority that you've been placed in, like uh, being the manager of a business or the director of of a choir. Uh, but none of those are directly relevant to what we're talking about here. They're just uh, some of the other positions of authority that you find. So back to parental authority. Uh, Parental authority is a temporary office of stewardship, not ownership, as we've talked about in previous episodes. Children will eventually come into full ownership, so to speak, of their responsibilities as image bearer. The whole office of parent is foundationally one of love and specifically nurture, And from that foundation, our primary responsibility as Christian parents specifically is guiding our children in the faith. This responsibility is always in balance, though, with the other duties that parents have. Since God has set up the parent-child relationship as a sort of analogy for his relationship with us, there's an intrinsic drive to nurture and love that is way more than biological. It's truly spiritual in nature. You can see this from the way that scripture talks about the type of affection and love that is present within the family. Yeah, so as far as what's expected of parents in a general sense, kind of plainly seen through general revelation um, that God has given us, here I'm going to talk about some of the responsibilities revealed in creation that scripture assumes. 
Um, and I just wanted to note that we do have uh, scriptural references available for each of these points in the show notes page on our website. Um, so we won't go over all of them exhaustively in this episode, but um, please make sure you go and look at that for yourself. Be a good Berean. So the responsibilities and expectations of a parent as revealed in creation are to provide for and protect their children, um, to care for their overall well-being. And for Christian parents specifically, the duties are to teach and instruct the word of God to their children um, and to pass on our knowledge of God and his works, um, to have a faithful testimony to him um, from scripture and from our own lives, to discipline them in nurture and admonition in the gospel, to set an example of faith and godly character in our own lives, and of course, to not hinder their own walks with Jesus as we raise them. Right. And I think, I mean, that's, that's kind of a lot to digest, but one of the most important aspects of the role as parent is to remember, and I know this is shocking, it is temporary. <laughs> All human authority is inherently limited and only God has infinite authority. But the relationship between parent and child is unique as the authority that a parent has is almost always temporary, except for in certain situations where a child is unable to take responsibility for themselves. The difference between ownership and stewardship is the difference between a person's relationship with their dog and their relationship with their child. Your dog is indefinitely under your authority unless you decide to contractually end the relationship by selling them, abandoning them, um, giving them away, whatever. Your child is terminally under your authority. Now, normally, they eventually will have the ability to steward and conduct themselves in a way that does not ultimately involve you as the authority. Um, an unhealthy view of this would be to believe, whether implicitly or explicitly, that you own your child, as though they are objects uh, rather than subjects themselves. This will lead to an extremely unhealthy relationship with them, both as a child and especially when they are adults. Helping your child have self-ownership is a slope and not a plateau. They are not meant to go to bed the night before their 18th birthday with no self-ownership and wake up the morning after with all of it. It's a gradual process. A little more at six, a little more at 10, a little more as they are able to handle it until they are completely self-sufficient. Yeah. So not only do we often not stop to think about what exactly a parent's authority is over and when it ends, but we also have the tendency to assume that if someone has authority, that any way they choose to enforce that authority is legitimate. But this is a big mistake. Even those in positions of authority must adhere to God's law and treat others, particularly those under their authority, in a way that honors God and is faithful to his word. I don't think we need to provide a lot of examples here. We have all heard of crazy abusive pastors, children who are neglected, etc. The other side of that coin is that we can abuse the authority that we've been given. So although you have much discretion in how you fulfill your parental duties, there are still ways that you can be negligent, abusive, or exercise tyranny rather than the proper nurturing authority that God gives to parents. Now, abuse does not diminish the authority that's inherent in the position of parent, but it does diminish your personal authority as a parent. It doesn't diminish the structure, as we talked about before. It diminishes the direction. 
For example, if you abuse your child, CPS will take them away. Your personal authority is stripped, but parental authority as a whole still lives on. So when any of these points that we are about to go into are applicable to someone's situation, claiming I'm the parent so I have authority loses its gravity. And sometimes it loses truth altogether when you forfeit the authority inherent in your position through really grievous sin. Or it can be untrue to begin with if you're claiming authority that you don't have. Mm -hmm. It's important to think through the limits of your authority so that we don't unwittingly abuse our God-given authority or overstep its boundaries, claiming authority that isn't ours. So there are a few ways that we as parents can abuse and diminish our authority. Um, And we want to just take a few minutes to look at each of those ways and um, go through examples of what they may look like and specifically why we as gentle parents believe that these points really leave no room for harsh punitive parenting and why gentle parenting does fit within the duties expected of a parent both in a general sense and specifically as believers. So the first and I guess most obvious one is we diminish our authority when we ourselves are explicitly sinning. A kind of explicit example of this is if we're trying to teach our children about sexual morality and purity and maybe watching porn ourselves or, you know, participating in any kind of sexual immorality. That completely diminishes the authority of the lesson that we're trying to teach our children um, because it makes us hypocritical. The second point for this is when you are exercising the illegitimate use of force to maintain your authority or enforce requirements. Um, What is the legitimate use of force? Protection of yourself, of others, of property. Of course, you can hold your child from jumping off of a cliff. Of course, you don't have to let them break every item in your house. Of course, you don't have to let them scratch your face. I mean, there's plenty of reasonable and necessary (laughs) uses of of force at times or restraint. Illegitimate use of force diminishes your authority by using it for any purpose other than protection. The reason your child should not hit another child is not simply because they don't have authority over the other child. It's because we understand that hitting is wrong. Hitting offensively in contrast with self-defense is wrong in every context, and we all know that. So an illegitimate use of force, I mean, spanking. Spanking teaches that authority comes from force, not structure, and that might makes right. Also, point number three. Using methods to maintain your authority or enforce the requirements that you're setting down um, that actively work against your duties as a parent. So, for example, if you're trying to teach your child to sleep in their own bed and you take away their bed, and more generally, <laughs> taking pro- taking property. And now, if you've listened to previous episodes, uh, I forget which one we mentioned this in, but this is an actual example and sadly not the only example of really, really counterproductive and counterintuitive punishments that we've seen exampled on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How do you expect your kid to stay in their bed if they don't have a bed? Yeah. So, uh, magic. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and people, um, will oftentimes say that they're trying to teach obedience through this type of thing. But that is, it's elevating obedience above any other thing that you might be trying to teach your child and is counterproductive to teaching them 
to be a whole person rather than just an obedient um an obedient slave almost yeah so on the permissive end of this uh not holding your kids accountable for their responsibilities not maintaining a sense of order and security in your home by exerting your strong and confident leadership so things like not having a bedtime not having them clean up after themselves um if there's no structure or consistency when you then when you do have to enforce a boundary uh, then you've already diminished your authority so significantly that it will be nearly impossible to enforce yeah so a fourth way that we can diminish our authority as parents is requiring or encouraging sin of our children and this may sound kind of funny to a Christian parent um, or odd, but there are some legitimate ways that I have seen parents um, encouraging their children to sin. One big one is asking them to lie or cover for you. Don't tell daddy or it's a secret or whatever you may have. Another, especially in more punitive circles, is turning one of your children's wrongdoings into an opportunity for their other siblings to mock or shame that the child who had, who had done something wrong or, or pitting them against each other. One example is I've heard of families that put the child who did something wrong in timeout and require the rest of the family to pretend that they don't exist um, or something like that. And that just encourages sin in our children. Um, and that's just such a huge way to to diminish your authority as a parent. It really is. Um, another thing is requiring something that is outside the realm of your authority to begin with. Yeah. Requiring older siblings to parent their younger siblings. I'm sure we've all seen this. Placing the burden of finances on their shoulders. Uh, these situations are the ones in which you're requiring too much of them and placing your responsibility on them. A couple other things that would be outside of the realm of your authority would be their salvation, um, acts of forgiveness, spiritual growth. Uh, that's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. And also requiring physical affection, I think, is a really big one, especially when you're teaching your children self-ownership. Yeah, absolutely. And just a, another note on the, the um, acts of forgiveness and spiritual growth and things like that. I see this particularly... It, obviously, I guess, in uh, in Christian circles where it's almost like we're p trying to punish them or, or force them to feel joy or to yeah. feel forgiveness or to feel the correct emotional response to a wrongdoing or yeah. to something, you know, any number of things. And that's just not possible. We can train them in... Um, you know, in love and we can exhibit it for them and show them. And, and hopefully, um, I think as Amanda Erickson from Flourishing Homes and Families uh, has said, you know, you can hopefully make their uh, process of sanctification in their life a bit easier, but you cannot force um, this obedience that comes from joy in the heart and you cannot yeah. force them to forgive. You can only model and show them what it looks like. Yeah, and I think on that point, a lot of times parents confuse the weighty responsibility of sharing the gospel with their kids, which is a good and right weight <laughs> to feel. It is a huge responsibility with the weight of saving their kids. Yeah. And um, 
that is just not within the realm of our authority. Uh, what is within the realm of our authority is sharing the gospel with them, mm-hmm. um, showing them grace and um, encouraging them to do the right thing and to be upstanding people and, and to love God. But ultimately it's not our job to save them. And mm-hmm. so I think having, having a balanced view on that is, is really important um, because I think it does easily get confused. Yeah. That's such a huge burden to bear. And that's so exasperating that when you're even just like subconsciously thinking that it's your job to, that that being the Holy Spirit is your job, your relationship with your child gets really strained and your view of your own self can get uh, just kind of murky and destructive. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just a lot. It's too much of a burden to bear. It's not ours to bear. Yeah. It's taking the authority of God upon yourself, really. Um, right. And that is not, that's not within your realm of authority, like you were saying, Sam. Yeah. So um, the final, or uh, I'm sure there are other ways that we have an outline here, but <laughs> the final point that we have um, on ways that you can overstep your authority or abuse your authority is to require something that isn't within the capability of your child to perform. And this is another huge, huge issue that I see in Christian circles in particular um, is a real lack of understanding of childhood development and brain development and, and what types of behaviors are developmentally appropriate and, and, um, and just basically what to expect. And not that all behaviors that are developmentally appropriate are acceptable, you know, throwing food on the ground, eventually, you know, they're going to learn that that's not an acceptable thing to do. But my 15 month old, you know, I can show him, no, we keep our food on the plate or, uh, you know, those types of things. But he is not he has no comprehension that this, you know, that food doesn't belong on the floor. He will learn it as he sees that we keep food on our plates and that, yeah. you know, these types of things. But um, yeah. Do you guys have any more examples of, of these types of situations? Well, one thing I was thinking of is a lot of times I hear parents say, um, well, they were able to do it yesterday. So I know that they can do it today. Yeah. <laughs> and that actually does show um, a lack of understanding of, of brain development, um, that children really don't have impulse control until the age of around five, um, and they don't have verbal impulse control around the age of eight or nine. Um, and so a lot of things that seem within their capability um, cognitively actually are not. So one thing I see all the time um, especially, you know, just in in various parenting circles and often even gentle parenting circles too, maybe, um, is this idea that you shouldn't have to baby proof that your kids just need to learn not to touch your stuff. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so you can keep your valuables down and, you know, that your kid just needs to learn not to touch them. And that is just not within the capability of a two or three or even four year old to perform. They do not have the impulse control to not touch your stuff, to not break your stuff. It's your responsibility as the parent to keep them from doing that and keep them from reaching it really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, 
you know, that's not to say that there won't be one person out there who had, who you know, who had a kid that could handle these things at a at a time when you might expect it to be a, uh, overwhelming for them. But this kid handled it fine. You know, there are exceptions to every rule, but yeah. generally speaking, you know, um, it's just really, really important to to assess your kid's development properly. And I think it become it becomes problematic when you start disciplining your children for things that aren't developmentally within their capability. I think that like you were saying, there will always be outliers, you know, there will always be a three-year-old that somehow can manage to not touch your great grandma's vase (laughs) by some miracle. But um, generally that's outside of their ability and to punish or discipline them for that is, is just not fair. It's just not, it is, it's exasperating. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a, a person may, as the parent, have the authority over their child to make them learn something that they want them to learn, for example. But when you're approaching those types of moments where you want to enforce a decision that you've made or an instruction that you've given, you really need to ask yourself a few questions. Are you going to be able to enforce this justly? Are you micromanaging your child in the name of your authority over their well being? Uh, with stronger-willed children, are you causing division and strife within your home by exasperating your children through hyper-control and micromanagement in certain areas that you're just trying to prove yourself stronger? You know, you're just trying to exert your authority so that they learn who's boss. Um, or in the other direction, are you undermanaging your children in such a way that you have no authority in their lives whatsoever and you're caving to their every whim just to not upset them? With more compliant children, are you causing overdependence and insecurity in your child? And, you know, therefore less obvious, but still strife and division and exasperation by your lack of leadership. Yeah, I don't think we really need a specific chapter and verse to tell us that overexertion of even legitimate structures of authority is exasperating. Um, I think we've all experienced this when a boss micromanages us or a team leader won't budge or allow anyone else's input. It's his way or the highway. Or when one of our parents maintains absolute authority over our decision making, even as we grow older to the point that it's inappropriate and we'd like to start practicing and exercising more authority in decision making in our own lives. Not only is exasperating your children specifically mentioned in scripture as something not to do. Um, But there are some really obvious practical reasons that you can observe just by observing life um, and human interactions of why this is a bad idea. Children need to learn how to have dominion and authority in the proper way to fulfill the duties of their office of image bearer. And I emphasize there because um, it is not an office that you own for them. The role of parent is not simply to teach our kids verses of scripture um, and how to obey authority really well. The role of a parent is so much richer and it includes helping our children come to maturity and capability and helping them exercise dominion. Um, and fulfill their own duties confidently and wisely. Man, I 
love that point so much. And I, I think that's a really great note to end on. So um, thank you everybody for listening. I, I hope that that um, is edifying for you and that you've learned as much as we've learned through uh, studying for this episode. It has been such a process and we're really thankful for the help that we received and uh, um, hope that it has helped you. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time. The structure of authority is the laws that got, is it is or are? The structure are, structure is. Well, the structure of authority are, but the laws are plural. Yeah, but the is or are refers to structure. The structure is. is the laws. Grammatically. What? Yes, yeah, you're right, yeah. Structure is, okay. The structure is the law. I'm just going to say the law that God has built into creation. Is that okay? Yes. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And now no one's going to know if I know how to use is or are the right way. <laughs> <laughs>